This is Anna Valenzuela. Hey, if you're the meth head stealing my catalytic converters, you need to stop. I understand methamphetanol is not free, but you gotta stop this shit. <laughs> Steal from somebody who can afford it. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm doing great. Uh, and I'm very excited to introduce my co-host, Mr. Dave Yates. Hi guys, I have a catalytic converter for sale. Um, it's <laughs> from an early 2000s Prius, so DM me at Yates Comedy if you're looking for that hookup. For that hookup. You know, fun fact, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine, Her, uh, she co-signed on a car loan to somebody who isn't paying their uh, their car, they're not making that car payment, and she's like, what do I do? And I said, uh, I said, well, number one, we can go to where he lives, and I can steal his catalytic converter, because it is, of course, a Prius. Said, or he can steal his own catalytic converter, sell it for cash, and make a car payment. <laughs> and she was like, How do you know this grift? And I was like, Girl, I'm in a 12 step program. I know all the grifts. I've heard all the grifts, or I've done all the grifts. One of the two. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's grift season out there in these streets. It is. Happy pandemic. Yeah, How are you yeah. grifting to stay alive? Um, it is wild. I'm convincing people I'm funny enough to pay for comedy. That's my grift. You are funny enough to pay for comedy. You're a delight. I'm could grifting. You, that's it. Could you read us our beautiful uh, clarity statement? I guess. I, I'm pretty good at that, so we'll do that free of charge for the free listener. Free of charge. Mm -hmm. Free of charge. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming to the podcast, everybody. We'll pull up this beautiful clarity statement. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast. We believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean, sober people. Our mission is to share experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We're simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others. We only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Ooh, I love it. And this podcast has been a long time coming. I am a huge fan of this lovely lady. I am a huge fan of her comedy. Um, just her overall like oeuvre. Every time I see her, I'm like, oh, what a delightful person. And we once rooted through a ice bucket looking for the cold, bubbly waters at a party, which is always, that's, that's, that's a sister from another Mr. Moment, you know, when you're just like, you know what, I will not like a white claw, I would like a LaCroix. Um, so this is, this is very exciting. Uh, and our guests introduce themselves just in case they want to be like anonymous or like, I don't know, tell all the dirts or whatever. Who are we speaking with today? Uh, I, hi, I'm Jessica Seely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> super funny comedian, amazing, fabulous lady. Yay, welcome. Glad to be here. Thank you. Yay. I, I feel like adding the welcome really took the like conversational tone out of it. I'm like, welcome. And now we're on drive time radio. <laughs> um, but I gotta uh, say that like 
nobody annoys me more than radio DJs trying to make jokes. I just, I get. Have you done a lot of morning radio before uh, comedy shows? No, I've actually never like. Oh, you'll blow your brains out. Yeah. It's, but like, I don't know. I just feel like I've never heard a good joke on the radio. Yeah, they're not supposed to be. But like, not just like in a way where I'm like, what is, what is your cognitive abilities? (laughs) I don't want to be judgment. I'm talking about like the major stations. (laughs) It's just like. I, I wish I had an example. I, don't I do think actually. I don't think they're getting a lot of sleep. Right. I think that's what's going on is they have to wake up at like 4 a.m. And so they get in. That's my empathetic response. And then also they're like, you know, old timey, like it's it's its own type of grift. It's its own vaudeville thing. You know what right. I mean? And they're also trying to appeal to people with trash ass senses of humor while they uh, commute in the morning. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get it either. I don't think I'm necessarily talking about morning radio. I'm talking about like afternoon when you're just listening to music and then they'll like throw like a little <laughs> tidbit in. And they think it's great. They're like, oh, guess what? There was a wine truck driver that was caught for a DUI. <laughs> what are that's crazy. And I'm like, that's not that crazy. Yeah, yeah, there is. Also that, yeah, that, that tracks actually, that's not that crazy. That's very funny. They have, uh, yeah, I think a lot of what's going on is they're just, uh, I don't know, maybe they're just isolated. I don't know. People are silly. People I feel like silly. I came into this very rude. No, no. <laughs> about, about Jessica DJs. hates the radio. <laughs> hates Jessica the radio. killed the radio I, I just star. Think, I think Jessica that radio can be better. Radio. Oh, it could be. It could be. Why I'm don't you a... start a radio show then? Well, you know what? This is a podcast and that's the response. That's what America said. America said, you know what? We'd rather fill our phones with other people's voices talking at us than listen to the guy on drive time. I think the reason I don't like it is because I feel like I'm in a simulation or something. Like it feels like a bad. I mean, that sounds like a deeper issue than the radio. (laughs) Just like this part of the matrix is (laughs) like I'm in total recall. You know, one of the funniest things, and this is deeply, this will only be funny to us, honestly. So I'm in a 99 cent store at the beginning of the pandemic and I'm, you know, rummaging for things, sanitizer, COVID. COVID. Yeah. Rummaging for COVID. And um, I'm all masked up and they're playing like, they're playing like some clear channel station, right? They're playing whatever. And um, this the DJ's like, so there's traffic on the 405 and uh, da, 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 da. COVID deaths in Los Angeles County are 135 today. Uh, also, go to Macy's if you want. Like, he goes immediately into the outdoor uh, <laughs> market on Santa Monica's promenade is ready for business. He just goes right. He just, he just drops that 350 people have died and then keeps going. Just keeps it pushing. Like, like this is drive time. Anyway, there might be traffic on the 110. Have a great day. And then they start playing Bruno Mars. And I was like, this is, I feel like I'm in a simulation. That's exactly how I felt. I was like, this doesn't feel like my life. What are we doing? Yeah. I remember during like the heat wave in the wintertime, remember like in January when it Mm. got up to like 95 or whatever. Yeah. There was some DJ that was like, Ooh, hot day. Go get some ice cream. Go to the beach. Like, and I was just like, society's crumbling. Like, don't you're insane. 
It's January 7th. So basically, Jessica doesn't think that radio DJs are in touch with reality. Um, (laughs) She is not happy with their positive outlooks, nor their dismissal of the issues. Um, I love it. I love it. So so do you surrender to daytime radio? Exactly how it's supposed to be. How do you you experience surrender today? That is the first question. Not an acceptance. You're not in acceptance of drive time DJs. Can surrender. Or no. Um, I guess I haven't surrendered with uh, radio DJs yet. What about the rest of your life? Yeah, what's what's surrender look like in your general life? I like to listen to John Denver. Okay. Um, um, when he when he sings "Sweet Sweet Surrender." you guys not you know that song yeah (laughs) yeah there is i once i once was having a really rough day and my this uh, lady from my home group she's just amazing she sent me a video link of the eagles already it's the eagles right but it was just it was uh take it easy and i was just like i listened to that and i was like yeah that is what i needed the one that don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy yeah i know it I know it yeah, well. yeah. I think I think a lot of I think music is a a really good part of surrender. I yesterday I listened to Atmospheres, um, uh, the best day, which is a, just about how not every day is good. <laughs> not every day is good. <laughs> yeah, the lyrics in the John Denver song are like like a fish in the water, like a bird in the air. So I'll yeah. like literally pretend to be a fish, like at I work. Like that. Yeah, no, I like that. Last that time makes I sense. pretended to be a fish was in a sensory deprivation tank. Mm-hmm. So, like my work. So you work in a tank? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, no, that feels that feels very like. I feel like the whole John Denver thing is a bit. And Jessica's luring us in to this big elaborate <laughs> bit, and she doesn't actually listen to John Denver. You wish true, I Jessica? was. You wish I was so clever. We're we're, um, we're talking rigorous honesty on this podcast, so. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't no, not a bit. Not a bit. I love John Denver. Okay. Awesome. I'll fucking cry. See, the sad John thing Denver about John song. Denver is every time I listen to John Denver, I think of him crashing into a mountain in a plane. So it's like his music ceases to be soothing to me. And he has a song about it. About crashing into a mountain? Well, no, but he says, I'm leaving on, on a, a jet, jet plane. plane. <laughs> don't know when I'll be back again. Yeah, David Bowie did record his last album knowing he was dying too. So. That was cool. Yeah. yeah, Black Star is a great album. It's mm-hmm. a good. It's a good like. I'm a Black Star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so have uh, you heard this most recent theory that uh, Ziggy Stardust is the prediction of Kanye West? No. <laughs> Yo, there's some deep there's some deep dives in this where if you look at the cover of Ziggy Stardust, the sign above Ziggy's head says K West on it. And it's all about this alien who comes to Earth. Yeah. Oh go, 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 go Google it, listeners. Second, like and subscribe. But then Google the Kanye West, Ziggy Stardust fan fiction theory. Wow. You know what? I'm into that. I like a harmless conspiracy theory. You know, I, I like a conspiracy theory. Well, I don't know if Kanye's that... harmless, but. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he's not necessarily harmless, but he is not burning the capitol building down yeah well <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> i 
I like just discovered Kanye West like a month ago. Oh, Jesus. Like oh, I just oh, started. Excuse me. Oh, Jesus. I, ju- I mean, I always knew the hits, of course, but I just started like listening to Kanye albums. Mm. I like to wait 10 to 20 years before getting into something. I've been saying I just watched The Wire in its entirety and I was like and so no yeah. one can accuse y'all of being a poser can't be a poser if I don't enjoy the things while they're happening you know I've been thinking a lot about the word poser lately and like how I was like a mall goth in middle school you seem like all? a mall goth <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not a poser after all um, but yeah just like it was like all like like the word poser was just like at the forefront of everything, like being afraid of being called a poser and calling other people posers. And to this day, I feel like it's so weird, like the ways that I get like swept up into certain things. Mm. Um, and I'm like, that's my identity or like that. Like, I just feel like when I look at my life, like I was just like a sail in the wind and I could have yeah. just gone wherever anyone took me. And I'm just like, is, are other people like that? Or are they more like strong in their, like, am I a poser? No, I, well, I don't think that you're a poser. I think most people are, um, most people are searching for a version of their authenticity that feels comfortable to present in the world, not realizing that just being themselves, their authentic selves is going to be the most comfortable. I think we're all trying on different masks and different, uh, different, versions of ourselves and eventually we just accept that like you know that we are who we are and obsessions I have this friend who's like beautifully obsessive and um she's felt that way about like you know bands like and and just like made friends with the lead singer or like comedy and you know we just end up at diners with the with you know headliners you know after shows and Uh and not to try to fuck them you know she's a married lady (laughs) she just wants to be their friend like i like this poor woman the caveat is she wasn't trying to bang the comedian well because you said "Uh uh-oh right and so i felt like i had to defend her but she's you know she's just this more for more for her sake not 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 her being the 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 perpetrator oh i I was more worried for her than when you said she was hanging out with the headliners i'm like "Uh uh-oh right dudes are trash yeah, yeah. like like she, wait till oh, she, she says she's married at the diner no they know yeah. and they know and she's you know because she's she's not she's you know she's past that age where she's looking for anything and they know it and like and so she's just this beautiful obsessive human that likes to love something or somebody's art so hard that uh that she falls down a rabbit hole and then she comes back out and starts loving the next thing and it, it is, and I think there's something really beautiful about that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't question it or try to judge it. I think it's just accepting about yourself that like, yeah, you were a mall goth when everybody was a mall goth. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, ex- I accept myself, but I, I do feel like I have a certain like mer- mercurial aspect to mm-hmm. myself where I'm like, I'm very shifty. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What are you? An Most artist? John Denver fanatics are shifty. So I mean, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on them. Gotta keep an yeah. eye on them. But there's, you know, um, we've met in 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 contexts of like you know basements with coffee that kind of thing. And um, I've always, you know, I've always wondered like, 
what's been like the most insane moment that you've had either in or out of your journey? Like what's your journey been like? Dang. Um, most insane moment in or out. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be good, insane, good happening or insane, bad, like a war story. You can go either way. The first thing that comes to mind is good, but it's not that insane or interesting. We'll I do think, both. Let's have fun. I think that like after quitting drinking and like um, starting any kind of spiritual healing journey, like having any kinds of fun, not wasted was like fucking mind blowing to me. Yeah. Like I remember um, just like going to a bar for the first time uh at a dance party and just like dancing so hard for so long and having so much fun yeah and just like um having my mind like blown that I could like have that much fun yeah and like not sorry that's not that a very interesting story no, that, I mean but that, no, no that is insane considering that when a lot of us choose this path to recovery that's a common thing like yeah i'm never gonna have fun again or or what keeps people using is oh that one time that was real good I, yeah i, I want to have that again i don't want to not be able to have that again i mean for me like it always goes back to it was like 2014 fish halloween las vegas and i had danced all night at fish till like around midnight and then i ran up the street to go watch the band mo play from like midnight till 5 30 in the morning and i'm sober i'm like maybe four years sober at the time and they get done playing and i'm walking this las vegas boulevard at 6 30 watching the sun come up completely sober and exhausted and like just like on the remnants of all the caffeine i drank and i'm like man this is amazing and i'm not high i'm not drunk i can find my way back to the hotel and like the sun's coming up you know mm-hmm. and that's that's an insane good moment and i yeah. i think i think more people need to experience the the high you can get from really thoroughly enjoying life by like having to take that risk and going around maybe what would be deemed by people less secure in their recovery is a slippery situation. Like I started going to music festivals with 37 days sober with a sober friend, you know, and I'm not saying that everybody needs to go to a music festival, be around drugs and early recovery. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it's like, I learned real quick that I could go anywhere. Any free person could go as long as I was spiritually fit to be there and brought a friend with me, you know, like, and, Uh, that act like how the fuck do you do what you do and I'm like I had to bring friends yeah I had to bring friends in the beginning yeah yeah I've had and by the way never feel like you're being a poser or insecure about the things that you love you're talking to a fish fan and a a 39 year old anime fan with not one but two anime streaming accounts okay you're talking to two certified Listening to Anna makes me afraid to even start watching anime. Like I literally, I was like, "Oh, Studio Ghibli, maybe I should check this out." Yeah, you should. They're great. I don't want to end up like Anna. (laughs) I will say that I watched like Totoro and Spirited Away without watching any of the other anime. That's great. Oh, so it's possible to take a little in and not be. 
Yeah, I've I've managed to um, not turn into use in moderation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's it's my special thing. It's my love animation though. I actually I'm a kind of a I'm kind of a secret Disney adult. Oh no! (gasps) Oh, get out! Look. I love it. See, Ugh. I love it. No, Disney I adults, don't. horror fans, people who are just like really interested. I like everybody genres. that likes things that make them happy. But Yes. But yes. I'm going to tell you this. There's a lot of Disney adults, although I respect their right to be extremely happy about Disney. They creep me the fuck out. No, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I will say one thing about fish fans. Um. I've never met a fish fan who likes to use condoms. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> that has been my experience. Because you're trying to fuck wooks, lady. Some of us are business fish fans and they want nothing to do <laughs> no, with, you're that right. stra- I was, with that strange that you find I was, at a show. I was uh, doing the bottom of the fish barrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were there. being a bottom for the fish barrel? Is that... Yeah. But aquatic themed. Just because I said Disney Disney adults creep me out. You're like, oh, yeah, well, I almost got herpes from a guy at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Colorado. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my mug. Okay, so in my defense, here's my defense is my partner. Is your mug does... a herpy? <laughs> That's you. That's a really cool mug. He does. My Jessica's partner is showing a Disney mug for those listeners at home. <laughs> it's like a Mickey thing. In my defense, my partner does work for disney oh and he gets a lot of free shit and we get free disneyland and it's a lot of fun and um my best childhood times were at disneyland yeah and um i uh you know most disney adults i want to say have been molested (laughs) at some point (laughs) she's taking no prisoners (laughs) She's going for everybody. So that's something to remember when um, they, when you're creeped uh, out by them. They act like they have been, though. I'm not saying they all have. They've act. They act like they've been molested. No, I do. I do think actually there is a lot of like trauma that ha- that has to do with like latching onto Disney stuff. Yeah, I mean the same thing's true for anime. It's all about kids facing tremendous amounts of adversity and often abuse. Um, yeah. And I was a neglected and abused kid. And also their parents are never around because uh, in Japan, uh, everybody has to work a million hours to survive. So they literally have, they have moms, but no dads. You never mm. hear of their dads. You never see their dads. And so it's very, for me, yeah, it's, it's very much a trauma journey and a, a soothing thing, you know, but it's also inventive. Like Disney movies are incredibly inventive. Anime is inventive. Fish is inventive. Like it, it, we are creatives yeah. that latched onto something soothing. I like how What's... you have to like throw my stupid shit in there. Like you're like fish and, is and very well inventive. As well fish as is fish. good. Fish is good. What's Not interesting to Disney about me is because you know you brought up like the anime and like the overworking dads mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was like, um, I do feel like a lot of Disney comes from like a reaction to capitalism. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of Disney's trauma, like is capitalism and stuff. And like the wanting to preserve nature and like being in love with forest creatures and stuff like that. However, it has become like the hugest force for capitalism. And it's so bizarre. I mm-hmm. I trip out on that because I am very anti-capitalist, which is not necessarily what this podcast is about. Um, 
but it comes up as she sips out of her Disney mug. But I, I hate capitalism. This is what I'm saying I'm when I say I'm mercurial. Mug. Yeah, like, I'm when I say I'm mercurial. I'm like I had the, to Google that word. Uh, uh, so you're very all over the place like mercury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I'm like mercury. Well, I just feel like I am such a big hypocrite. I am the biggest contradiction. And I just live in that. Oh, like, I, I just love that live Green Day in song. this space. I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> but I yeah. think that's good. I think that's good. You contain multitudes. And that's that's one of the things that I think our using selves are so black and white. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. so I'm either this or I'm this. And we are not that way. We are human beings contain multitudes. There's lots of sides. Like, and it is, um, it's okay. You know, it's okay to be ourselves. It's okay yeah. to be to be a lot of times what we gain from the process of the steps or working, you know, living in spiritual principles is an acceptance of like, we are weird selves. That's, that's a good point because like a lot of my like painful teenage diary entries were like, how can I like care about children suffering and then go to Cosmo for hair tips? Like I'm a piece of shit. Like it was very, and now it's like, you can do both things. You can yeah. do you can now, do your hair. You can do your hair. Knowing and, yourself, like, knowing yourself happens. Yes, in Teen Vogue right like, now. Knowing yourself happens, and it affects. Go ahead. No, get, no, no. You, it, you, I was no, going to say, was... Teen Vogue is a is a political magazine now, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. all come full circle, and we've all learned that um, how we how we carry ourselves in the world, especially for women. Like, especially like as a, as a woman of color, like I used to have a boss that every time I straightened my hair would tell me, um, how professional I looked. Mm. And, uh, when my hair is not, uh, road hard, put away wet, it's pretty curly. And, uh, and they, uh, and so I, I've learned that like, it is a political statement and it is a, uh, it is a statement of independence to walk into a space as a professional with my hair curly. It really is. Cause it says like. Yeah, I don't have to look like the Western standard of beauty to be accepted in this space. So, in my opinion. Yes, I have some some love for curly hair life as well. Because, yeah. you know, in the 90s especially, that's when, like, straight fucking, like, Rachel, mm -hmm. Christina Aguilera hair was, like, super in. Mm-hmm. And I got bullied so much for having like really, I had really, my hair was way bigger when I was like in middle school. Yeah. It's yeah. Sen it's since kind of relaxed some, but, but yeah. that was, you had to have like straight hair. And you had to be the kind of skinny where you were like going to disappear. You had to have no abs and, but also have abs at the same time. You yeah, had to have because, cum gutters. You had to be a woman with cum gutters. Because BQ. pants were a lot lower than abs back then. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like Dave, a lot. Jump on in. How low were you wearing your pants? In I mean, the, in the I 90s, always enjoyed a woman with a fupa. So, I mean, <laughs> you won't tell high school Dave shit. I knew, I knew where the good good was. So, <laughs> I, mean, hey! I mean, don't. I can't, I can't jump on the whole skinny, super straight bandwagon. Um, but I think honestly, uh, all of that is, especially in recovery, if you work through inventory and things like that, you go through all the reasons you hated yourself 
back in the day and then you learn to not do that as much because i mean i'm i can still be a champion of kicking my own ass but in knowing myself it helps me affect the decisions i make surrounding how i treat myself and how i treat others around me and question number three would be jessica how do you make decisions in your life today support for 12 questions podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code 12QPOD. That's 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Imagine having a sleek and well-designed, optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the details on the 4.0 are next level. I used other trimmers in the past, and I've nicked my balls plenty of times, and you all know the pain of nicking your balls. Ouch. Not to mention, afterwards, the sweat, the stinging. It's just not a good time. Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible, comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. I now feel confident shaving my boys. This upgraded trimmer includes a multi-function on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives you the ability to run the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention wireless charging? The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice smooth boys. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Hmm. I'm a, I'm a historically really bad decision maker. I once saw Drew Barrymore on TV and she was like, I think the less sec, the least sexy thing is when someone cannot make a decision. Mm. Like, <laughs> and I was like, Drew Barrymore would not find me very sexy. Um, I think that now, um, you know, especially when other people are making decisions and I watch them make decisions, I usually tell them like, no matter what you choose is fine. It's just, you'll live the rest of your life on that path. There is no right one. It's just like, that's, that's the way you're going to go. And you can't, you can't see in the future and see where the different forks in the road lead. So you just have to go with it. And each one will have good and bad things. And so I try to remember that to help me make decisions in my life. Um, that there's not so much weight, like on what I order for dinner <laughs> girl, or, or bigger decisions or bigger decisions, but girl, like, I used to do that. I called it last meal ever syndrome. I used to order yeah. like I could be struck by lightning right. the second that meal was ordered. And like ordering the wrong thing is like the worst thing in the world. But it is like it, I guess it is like related to surrendering, just being like, I'm going to do what I feel like is right right now. And then just surrender to that decision. Yeah. Um, 
And I always, um, ask for a lot of advice from a lot of people. I don't rely on Jessica brain anymore. Yeah. As my soul. And, you know, um, there is like some uh, meditation involved and like learning. I, I still feel like I haven't like fully learned how to like listen to my intuition, mm. but I, I know that I can listen to it a little bit more than I, than I used to. That's great. It, it's an ongoing process. Yeah. Having, having, having a gut tell you things is not a bad thing, especially when your gut's not preoccupied with going, I have a gut feeling we could do extra drugs tonight. Right. Know? That's the thing is like, how do you sort out like a lot of your fucked up brain patterns that you've created um, from like your actual higher self? And I, I think a lot of that comes from self-knowledge, right? Getting to know some things about ourselves. And I think like a, a, a person in my life observed, it was very funny. I had a, I had a week where it was like my, my grandmother fell and hurt herself. And, um, and a lot of trauma came up around that way around how my family reacted. And I really got foggy. I was really in kind of a weird fugue state, just like for a while. And then my catalytic converter gets stolen and I become sharp as a tack. And my, um, my, my partner said to me last night, he said, you know, one of the interesting, most surprising things about you is that sometimes, most of the time, when you're faced with adversity, you become very clear and very focused. He goes, I, I've never met a lot of people who get better in a challenge than you do. And I said, that's because I'm in recovery. And I, I, I created those, I created those challenges for myself for so many years that I can click into that state. And, um, and knowing that about myself, what I do know today is I don't have to create problems in order to feel that I can access that. I can trust that I can trust that I'm operating like that every day. And maybe I don't have a crisis where I have to operate on 110 CPU of that fugue state every day, but I can, I can do it. I can do it selectively. And that's been really cool. That's been one of the most exciting and surprising things I've learned about myself. What's been one of the most exciting and surprising things you've learned about yourself, Jessica? Um, well, I wanted to kind of yeah. get you back off Go of that it. whole yes. thing of like, um, and tell a story. Yes. I want to hear um, a story. Related to potentially being able to deal with crisis or yeah. something which is um, when I was six months sober, um, I had a house fire and like, Whoa. it destroyed the house I was living in. And um, like my roommate's cat died. It was like oh, this big, you know, horrible. It was, yeah, it was very like, um, I called my sponsor and I said, hey, like my house caught on fire, so I'm gonna drink. And I thought she'd be like, yeah, of course, like that makes total sense. But she said that alcoholics are like struggle with dealing with like little issues, like day-to-day -day issues, like are huge, like blown out of proportion. But when we have a real crisis, we're like good at handling it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's true because we yeah. live in a state of crisis. We so do. when we get a real one, we're like, oh, cool. Exactly. Like our brain is practicing for crises all the time. 
when the pandemic started, I tweeted, oh, it's so cute. You guys are experiencing a trauma. Welcome to my world. Come in, come in. Let me, let mama teach you how to do this. I, yeah. my, my thought was, oh, oh, an invisible force that you can't control is killing people you care about. Welcome. You yeah. know, that's, I yeah. mean, that's. This is the world we live in. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a real cunty yeah. way for me to think about things, but like, I don't. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people haven't experienced any trauma, you know? I'm not I'm not trying to dismiss that they've had a good life or they ha don't have their own difficulties, but like like big, big things like that, you know? Like I know I people that, that still have great grandparents. It's like, what, you've never experienced death? Yeah. I think that that's changing a little bit with like climate change and COVID and mm -hmm. stuff. Like I yeah. think that we're we're getting more of like the mass trauma from like just and i think more more to come yeah. um the gen zers are tapped into something that we've been tapped into for a long time yeah um i moved because dogs are barking i hope this helps sounds um, great you look great you look comfortable thanks <laughs> um but some okay something surprising that i've learned about myself mm -hmm. um i don't know i guess um when I think about like myself before I was drinking, it was like, like kind of a lot of shyness and nerdiness and stuff like that. And then when I started drinking, I feel like I wanted to be very hard and like very cool and very punk rock mm. and like, um, same. Yeah. And like call still calling people posers. <laughs> um, but like now, like kind of deeper into my sobriety, it's like, I think I'm truly very nerdy. Yeah. Like, I, had, I have to tell you something. I'm going to, so I'm sorry, I cut you off. So my Eskimo, and it's weird, your relationship with your Eskimo, the person who brings you in, because you want to impress them. You want to show them you're doing so much better. They saw you using, they care about you. You want to you maybe have some attachment issues where you want approval that your parents never gave you. You know what I mean? Like there's a little weirdness going on. And he, um, one time we were going to the go-kart track and I was wearing this all black outfit. And I said, how do I look? And he said, you look like an anime fan. And I said to him, I got really embarrassed. And it took me a little while to realize, fuck that guy. Number one, I am. Number two, uh, I'm, I'm a dork. I'm embarrassing. He used to say that to me all the time. He'd be like, you're so embarrassing. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am. And that's my goddamn superpower. I am comfortable with making a fucking ass of myself. You know what? I made a career of it. I've made money. You had to watch me do it on TV, motherfucker. I'm really good at being an ass. Hell and yeah. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. Someone's that got TV credits and has to let us know. <laughs> just, just so you know, guys, I was on uh, Comedy no! Central. No big deal. But... So it's Jessica. Anyway, whatever. So she's uh -huh. wait, wait. So, so what I'm saying is that um, it's good. It's good. I I, every time Vice you. Land. Oh, Viceland. Oh, yes. That's Everybody. It. Well, but, but that's the thing is we've done amazing things in our lives. We've taken these things that we thought were deficits and we've made them. We've made them assets. You know what I mean? Continue, Jessica. I'm so sorry I cut you off. Um, I, I think I didn't have anything else to say. It's just that I'm really soft. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not. Can I have a super soft birthday party? 
Yeah. <laughs> that was, sorry, that was a shout out to Letterkenny. Letterkenny. Fans. I got I, I badgered David to watching mm-hmm. Letterkenny and he loved Super it. Super soft birthday party. Super soft birthday I mean, party. That you don't have to be as hard as you needed to be to protect yourself pre sobriety, pre recovery. That's mm. I think that's a that thing we all learn is that mm-hmm. you can let down your guard person all the bullshit that goes on in your head and hopefully that bullshit doesn't control what you do anymore like getting honest with yourself and getting honest with another person after doing an inventory is freedom from the bondage of self in in my opinion um and the next question is jessica how honest are you with yourself and the other people around you I like every question. You're just like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're heavy questions, kind of. They are. They're very self-reflective. Mm-hmm. And I almost think it's good that I didn't read the questions beforehand because, like, I am having, like, kind of gut reactions to them as opposed to, like, writing out some speech of what I think each answer should mm-hmm. be. Um, I guess it's it's kind of, like, more honest all the time. I think. And this is like, uh, it's happening in therapy too. There's trauma therapy stuff. There's, uh, there's stuff getting, um, under rug swept, uh, swept from under the rug back into the room and then finally swept up again, Mm -hmm. um, for, for good. So the floor will be actually clean. Mm <laughs> I love that. Um I love but a clean I, floor. I definitely still think there's areas of my life where I am not like ready to look at like if I'm doing the right thing or like yeah. if I'm being completely authentic. But I feel like I'm I'm giving myself the slow recovery program. Yeah. Um, How much time do you have? Uh seven like years. Seven, seven years. Yeah. Seven years. It'll come. Yeah. yeah, it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But definitely definitely more honest all the time. They, I always they call feel it like slow briety. Slow briety. Yeah, exactly. I always feel like I look at myself two years ago and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what was That's that crazy hoe? So cringe all the time. <laughs> I cringe. Hey. But maybe that's good. But also I need to accept that person from two years ago as well. But it's just like, as I uncover things, I look back and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think a lot of those things can bring up like for me. And by the way, I still do. I still look in the past and I'm like, girl, girl, what did you going to have to make this is I'm on an eight step right now. And I'm like, girl, you're going to have to make amends to comedians. Look at you. Look what you look what you've done. You could have done it differently. You had spiritual principles, yet you chose violence. <laughs> you know, like why'd you do that? <laughs> and so um it, it is it is one of those things where like it can provoke, I can either live in the fear and anxiety of being judged over who I was in the past when nobody gives a fuck, or I and live in the fear and anxiety of how it could be judged currently or I can let it go. You know, I could, I can process it. I could go for a fucking walk. I could call my sponsor. I could meditate. How do you process fear and anxiety in your life today? Hmm. 
Um, sorry, there's my classic sigh again. Love it. Um, my signature sigh. Um, so I, think I have it, to look inward. Gross. Uh, to be honest, I've been a, bit, a little bit lazy about recovery lately. So all these questions are kind of hitting me in the head a little hard. I'm like, I'm like, oh gosh, I got to get back into work a little bit because mm-hmm. I've been kind of like, um, coasting in the shallow realm a little bit. Um, a resting on laurels, perhaps in some ways. And those Laurel I, Canyons. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I've been going to Laurel Canyon too much. Um, but I do feel like when Zoom, like kind of, we were like, okay, everything's open again. We're doing meetings in person. I was like, cool, I'll go back to in person. And then Delta became like kind of a weird thing where I knew a bunch of people who had it like in the rooms and comedians and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to go to in-person meetings right now. Mm-hmm. Um, which I feel like I could right now. Like, I feel like I probably, I think it's probably fine. Um, but then I didn't really go back to zoom. So I'm kind of like, mm. just kind of a little confused in terms of free. I'm a little free floating. Maybe, maybe one a week to be honest, but okay. So I'm a very fearful person. Um, I'm very, very much anxiety. Um, I just started boxing. Yes. I just started boxing and it is like so good. Like in terms of exercise and my recovery exercise for me throughout my life is like almost zero. Okay. Like I grew up with like a fitness mom. She's like a fitness instructor. Yeah. So I was always like disgusting, like boring. Um, but now that I'm like, you know, in my thirties and like my body is really starting to slow down in ways that I'm not comfortable with. Um, I'm like, I think I really need to have like a lot of cardio and I started boxing and I feel like it's made me feel less anxious and fearful. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, and I've been kind of upping the self-care too. just like, I'm so bad at self-care in in general, like, like girl, put some lotion on like stuff like that. Like I don't do stuff like that. Um, but like, I wish I could loan you my itchy beans and rice skin. I have to put lotion on or it will, my skin will bite me. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, like just kind of like being a little bit more aware of my body and like, mm. um, taking care of my body. Cause a lot of fear and anxiety is very body yes, centered. And I've been very bad at like, you know, in meditations being like, what are you feeling in your body right now? Like I have like a lot of trauma. Um, I'm, sh- you know, as we all do pretty much in, in the, mm-hmm. um, recovery, community and like when people would ask me about my body I'd be like I feel nothing like I have no information so yeah just working on meditations where I'm just like connecting with my body and like um actually getting real cardio for once and kind of aggressive cardio which um like I like doing yoga and so I have always done yoga so Mm -hmm. I it's not like I have had actually zero exercise, but getting some kind of aggressive cardio in and kind of connecting to this, like, um, like more 
uh, assertive form of myself has been, I think like, you know, the inspiration for it is I saw like a woman speak at a meeting once and she was like, she brought up that she like is like very skilled in self-defense and she was like, I am like not a fearful person at all. And um, the way she was just talking about her recovery and the way she was like a woman who was like not afraid. I felt like I was like, she's like the most recovered woman I've ever seen. Was her name Anna Valenzuela? <laughs> yeah. Do you do, do you do self-defense do. stuff? I oh my do, God. And I do share about it. Yeah. I have, um. I have a second degree black belt in what? Um, Wichiryu, what? Okinawa and karate. Yeah. Oh my and I, God. I started training when I had 90 days and, um, I was always wow. like a physical kid, but my dad was a cyclist and he used to take me like on, when you were talking about your, your, um, your mom, I would kind of rebel against my dad a little bit. Cause he was very physical and I didn't, he was trying to teach me that mind body connection as he was also in the program. And he also was a martial arts person. He was, he had a black belt in Kempo. And um, in fact, a lot of the slow kickboxing, a lot of the MMA guys, like back in the day uh, in the Chuck Liddell camp, like a lot of those people like trained, their senseis trained with my dad. And so like, I had like, I have this very physical body. I have a lot of ancestral trauma. I have a lot of like life trauma. I have a lot of stuff going on. And what I read recently was I read this incredible book that they make, um, they make a psychologist read in grad school called, um, it's called The Body Keeps Score. And it's all about people overcoming trauma and trauma, how trauma should be its own diagnosis. Cause it, it creates ADHD symptoms, check. It creates anxiety symptoms, check. It creates depression, check. It creates, you know, um, autoimmune issues, gut issues, check. Like, and so one of the things that they recommended was boxing, martial arts, Pilates, Whoa. yoga. And those are all things that I've done throughout my recovery. Um, I remember my third, being on my third step and having my sensei grab my hands. I was shaking with fear in class, just shaking with fear as my body was exercising its mm-hmm. demons basically. And, mm. and he put his hands on my hands and he just smiled very calmly. And he said, Anna, do you trust that the system works and you're not going to get hurt? And I said, uh-huh. Yeah. And he says, do you trust me? I said, uh-huh. Yeah. Aww, and he that's said, so sweet. Yeah. And he said, cool, let's just have fun. And I would, that man could tell me to jump off a cliff. I probably do it. Like he is, he is, um, I've been training with him for 18 years. He's my, you know, he's, is one of the most important people in my, my growth. And when I started comedy, people would say like, you know, uh, why are you okay with being bad at it at first? And I would say, well, because I've been punched in the face in front of, I've been knocked out in front of a panel of my daddy issues. I don't give a fuck. Like I've, I've, I've competed internationally and gotten my ass kicked in front of hundreds of people. Like, so I told a joke you didn't like, I didn't, at least I didn't get hurt, (laughs) you know? And so, um, so yeah, it's a, when, when you were sharing that, I was like, good for you. I'm so proud of you. I was literally before this podcast started looking on Facebook marketplace because I want a heavy bag. I haven't had a heavy bag. I've always oh, wanted shit. one. I want to train and with you. 
I would love that because I like to cross train in boxing. When I was uh, competing in tournaments, I would cross train with boxers and Muay Thai fighters because when you take the gloves off and you go back to a karate stance as opposed to a boxing stance, you're fast, bitch. You're fast. And it's, it's so much fun and it's so empowering. And I really feel like yesterday, I couldn't train for a week. Gross. Cause I had a UTI pussy cold, you know, <laughs> <how> you <laughs> Bam, pussy cold. Right. So you can't really train. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Uh, thank you. So I could, you can't really train cause your body can't be irritated. And so I, um, I had to take a week off. And when I went to class last, yesterday over zoom, even I wasn't with another person, I was over zoom. And I felt like I said, I felt like an action figure where all of the limbs had been pulled off the, but were still there. Like, I felt like my body was separated from itself in a way and I needed to bring it back in. And by the end of it, it started to get closer and closer and closer, but mm. the mind body connection is so strong, anxiety, depression, Cardio is so good for that stuff. I'm so proud of you. I don't know why it's been so hard for me to do cardio. Like my whole life, it just sounds like the worst thing. Uh, well, when it, when you become obsessed with a fighting form, it becomes the reason. So mm -hmm. for example, I went through a phase and it probably fucked up my back. I'm really bad back now, but, um, I went through a phase where I would run seven miles a day. I am not built for running. I would run seven miles a day. Cause I was getting ready for my black belt test. And I didn't want, you know, it, it becomes the motivation I do. I walk and do dance cardio and do stuff that's safe for my body now. So I can perform better in seminar and tests. And I, I'll, I doubt I'll ever compete again, but so I can perform, um, so I can perform better before I go on stage, I bounce up and down. Like I'm going to spar. I, I stretch, like I'm going to spar, mm. like I get into my body because that's, that's my happy place now. And it never was for years. And I'm so grateful. I'm so proud of you. Get that Thank boxing you. mama. I want to train with you too. Let's get that heavy bag. We'll get, I got some gloves. We'll work on combos. It'll be great. You can I, teach me some boxing stuff. I love cutting a corner. It's so you fun. You just put a sign that says capitalism on it and you guys can just go to town. Just I think of that a lot. I think, of, I think of the system when I'm doing karate, when I'm doing my forms and stuff, I think like, you're fighting the system right now, bitch, because right now you're an empowered woman and that's, that's hard for people to handle. Yeah. Like I, you know, when you bring up the fear question and anxiety for me, like one of my like heaviest things, uh, on my head all the time is like climate change. And I like, you know, I think about it a lot and like, I do feel like just even just having some cardio gives me some like confidence to just like do what I can. Yeah. Like without just being like stuck in that fear. Yes. Which well, is because, like, and then that's kind of like related to the surrender too of like, I feel confident I can do what I can. And then I'm surrendering, surrendering to whatever outcome, you know, even yeah. if that's the end of life as we know it, but <laughs> I can surrender to literally anything, you yeah. know, if so I've what, done what I feel like is right, I guess. Yeah. So what would you say? are the defects of character that you've worked on or surrendered to the most in your recovery? Gosh, I got to get out my notebook right now. Um, um, Don't lie. You know exactly what them shits are. <laughs> I know, but I want to get like specific and like, um, look at the book. Um, I will. I mean, we just kind of talked about like sloth, I guess. Mm. Um, and like, you know, um, 
of which is avoidance um and kind of like how to sort of face the day and that takes like a lot of um support like I heard someone say like if you're struggling you don't have enough support Mm -hmm. um so I just call upon my army Mm -hmm. um uh self self-loathing is a defect um that um just kind of like telling myself things like you know it's like what do I get out of like telling myself like I'm broken or like something like that is like Mm. is like um the person on stage being like, because I'm so fucked up. I'm so, because I'm such a comedian. I'm so, I want to kill myself. I'm so fucked up. It's like, Oh, go to therapy. It's not that hard. I still do that though, to be honest. That's still my, that's still my act. I still love it. Um, I have a new joke about, um, killing myself in the Brea tar pits. It's a good way to die right there. And that's a fun one. I love it the way your dinosaur ancestors did. I just love it. I just love that we have active tar pits here. Yeah, Um, they don't use any of that tar to fix the roads. It's fucking. um, No, that special tar it has dinosaur bones in it. Still, this is my act. Okay, (laughs) this is my act. Sorry, it's not committing suicide in the murky depths of the tar pits. Um. That's okay. <laughs> um, there, yeah, there's a lot of tar here. Um, Called a black tar. <laughs> Heroin. Whack, whack, whack. Let's right, go. Right, right, right. Um, one of the biggest things that I had to work on, which is very common for alcoholics, um, when I first got in to recovery, was being obsessively resentful over people. Um, and feeling like they had power over me when they didn't. And, Mm. um, and yeah, just like kind of being obsessed with other people and what they were doing wrong. Mm. And, um, yeah, that was a big, it's, I mean, obviously that still comes up, but I don't really, if, if someone's bothering me, I just, um, tell them I I've got to go. Yeah, yeah, we can leave. You don't have to be around other people's problematic behavior. And that was like a form of dishonesty is like um, pretending to be close with people that I was like, was being like, they're horrible people. People pleasing, people pleasing. It's like, why am I being nice to this person? I don't like, why am I involving myself with this project that I think brings the world harm? Why am I doing this, that, and the other thing? Like, why am I... Why am I spending time with these folks? Like, yeah, it's it's tough. It's real tough. So I, I get that. But, you know, at least when we surrender to those defects and we start working on them, we start giving them up, we get to experience a little bit of self-forgiveness and that in turn helps us forgive others. Like, what's your experience of forgiveness today? Hmm. I'm trying to not always go with like, the two heavy answers it's okay if you go with the two heavy answers don't worry we'll find the yeah. funny don't yeah. worry about it trust well, not only that is like we never bill ourselves as a comedy podcast Mm-mm. yeah ever yeah. like there are funny moments but like i don't 
that's the 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 gift of this podcast is uh, although it may seem like I try very hard to make the joke, I don't feel obligated to do so. No. Um Yeah, so I'm doing trauma therapy right now and EMDR um, or, or talk therapy or talk therapy. Nice. Um and it's a lot of like talking to family members about things that happened and it's like I'm actually processing trauma, which is like, not that I haven't in the steps and other things, but like, but it's different. The steps are for the disease trauma. Some you need to get outside help a lot of times. Yeah. And I probably, I think probably everyone in recovery should for the most part go to therapy. Yeah. We're big (laughs) therapy advocates around here. I yell in meetings that the 12 steps aren't going to kill your fucking bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, these old timers that have like so much time and then commit suicide or whatever. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, you know, you're so dogmatic about the program that you don't think that there's anything else. Like, I don't know. Um, Anyway, but um, but like actually like processing some trauma has helped me forgive like perpetrators or um, because it it it's not my problem anymore or something. Right. Yeah. Well, it's an acceptance of the past is not going to change the, uh, there's this great book called the forgiveness project and it's written about, um, Ooh. yeah, it was written about, uh, um, apartheid South Africa, I think, by like Desmond Tutu and his daughter, it's like really fascinating. Wow. And, and it's about a recon- the reconciliation process and they break it down into four parts. It's, it's acceptance that it happened it's speaking that it happened. It's mm. accepting that it'll never change. Mm. And then coming to a place of, of forgiving who that person was and who you are in that moment and, and moving forward. And then, and then I think the, I think their last thing is like, it's something about um, deciding if this is a relationship that should be reconciled or should be released. And um, those are huge, huge things that we learn in recovery and and again I'm so proud of you that's so huge it's so amazing thanks um yeah I think that like one thing that's helped me kind of forgive like even like a a bunch of my like heavy resentments that I was talking about of like friends that I felt like weren't being right to me or whatever Mm -hmm. um a big part of it is like reminding myself that like people are sick like we kind of live in a pretty sick society there's a lot of like like history that hasn't been dealt with like I don't know like I look at my grandma and I'm like you have issues about like you have guilt like um not to get into my grandma at all but it's like a lot of I've seen the way that like some of her bad Trump liking behavior yeah I truly believe is rooted in like unchecked shame yeah. Um, like I, I really think that shame is like a huge motivator for bad behavior. Well, when and people like, don't want to admit they're wrong, they'll cling to any idea that proves that they're right. Quote unquote. Yeah. Yeah. What's up QAnon? We see you. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. And I, I also think like a, a bunch of QAnon and like stuff like that is I really feel like people are on drugs. Like I feel like there's a lot of pain meds happening that are making people be really weird. Cause I'm just like, 
this is stony logic. Like <laughs> you have to be like, I understand that like there's varying levels of education, but this mm -hmm. is also like varying levels of uh, cognitive impairment. I mean, untreated mental illness is a hell of a drug. Yeah. That's true. That's so true. Oh my God. Yeah. And like power workaholism, um, like there's, there's all sorts of ways that people can feel outside of themselves, you know, and start acting like they're high when they're not, you see it in the rooms all the time, you know, like you see people spend themselves into, into all the debts, you know what I mean? Cause they quit, they quit using and they, they gotta, you know, they gotta have everything now you know, or whatever. It's like, it's whatever gets that dopamine going. And then once that, once your amygdala, once your lizard brain is running the show, then you'll believe all kind of nonsense to justify still feeding your amygdala. Yeah. So that's, it's amazing. Sorry. We really tangented on you. No, I love it. I, I appreciate we, the What do you have a French mouth in your pocket? Jesus. I do. I have a little mouth. We, 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 we. Wait, well, Dave, take the next one. Jessica, what has been the most surprising amends or apology that you've either made or received in your recovery? To be honest, um, I'm one of those hoes that mostly did living amends. Um, and I don't really have like super great like apology stories. Like I did make some direct amends. And a lot of them were like ones that I, you know, had already apologized for like pre sobriety and stuff. Like I'm a very apologetic person. Um, and a lot of it was just like the way that I was living and, um, one of the best amends I can make to all the wrongs that I've done is to be sober and work on myself because like. And that's like a driving force be behind being sober is like, I'm like, you know, I did these fucked up things while I was drinking. And like, if I continue to drink, that's just like completely reckless and disrespectful to that situation mm -hmm. um, or pain that I caused or maybe didn't cause, but drinking was a big part of it happening. So what would you say, like, one of the main living amends that you have? You know, like, for me, I was a liar, a cheat, and a thief. So, like, my living amends is I don't steal from people. I ask permission to use things. So is is there any living amends that you would say is particularly in your conscious, in your day-to-day? -day? Um, I, I gotta say, just, like getting out of my self-obsession and like um principles over personalities is really good for me um to like focus on just like serving people no matter what I think about them um because I think one of my defects is being judgmental and um like putting that aside and just like um focusing on being of service of people like getting out of my own head I think that like most of the damage I caused um was from being really fearful and like self-obsessed mm -hmm. it's a lot of it's not so like 
tangible as like stealing. It's a lot of like, I feel like I almost feel like it's a little bit gendered in a way, like the eighth and ninth step, not that it has to be, but I feel like a lot of the ninth step for men is like, I'm sorry, wife, I cheated on you, you know? And like for women, it's like, I'm sorry that I was like, so wrapped up in my own pain that I was like, you know, not that it's not the same for men, but I think that, um, with women, it's a lot more like manipulation and like obsessive and like, I'm telling you all the hurt that I caused was because I was uh, manipulating situations and people to get exactly what I wanted and to make you think exactly what I wanted you to think of me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yes, I did run around town slang and D all over the place and hurt whatever I need to say to lie to make you feel and think the things I want you to feel and think about me and the situations that we're in. Yeah, same. I, um, I, do, I do think that there is, your, to, to your point, a gendered element to what we're more willing to cop to up top. So like women are more known for being manipulative or codependent or blah, blah, blah. Men are no more, more known for action oriented. Right. I didn't mean to make it so like um, binary, but um, I do think like the 12 steps were written Mm. for men and like men's behavior Mm -hmm. and I do think that there's like so much overlap and obviously the steps are like incredibly useful for women but I think that they play out like slightly differently sometimes I don't know yeah yeah I think that's and I think that's why you know as we approach a more non-binary um world and program I think it is, um, it, we're learning more about sort of the middle ground there, which is really cool. And I do think, but I do, I mean, my home group's a woman's meeting for a reason, you know, like the first time I went to that meeting, I heard a woman with 34 years share about how she was powerless over eating too many spice gumdrops at Christmas time and how it was making her miserable, like that her food addiction was really kicking up and it was affecting her overall recovery. And, uh, I was like, I was like, this is the most feminine shit I've ever been around in recovery. And I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I also think it's just like to, to make recovery as inclusive and, and open mm-hmm. as possible right. is the duty of every member of is when anyone anywhere reaches out for help. I want the hand to be there for that. I am responsible. So it's like, for me, it's like I try to share as openly and honestly about even the, the mental health aspects of recovery because right. if you get into specific literature, it's often overlooked where it says many of them have grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. Like right. I sometimes stay in the rooms just to fucking be there for that person who's like, I've got bipolar and like I've gone to 90 meetings in 90 days and I'm still bipolar. And to not have some old fuck stick be like, well, just think happy thoughts or just make a couple of gratitude. Right. No, it's like go to fucking therapy. Yeah. Like all, all the 12 steps do for me is they fit me with the ability to be honest with myself and those around me, specifically mm-hmm. doctors, yeah. um, you know, to, to, to get the help that I need. Like it, the 12 steps are, 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 they do one thing very well, 
which is it, it gives me a, a spiritual awakening to some degree in order to not pick up a drink or a drug today, you know, and then, you know, when, when we, we talk of higher power, which is coming down the pipe on some of these questions, it's like a sufficient higher power for those who don't believe in any deity is honesty, open mindedness and willingness. Okay, so you have these these chuds around the rooms that preach honesty, open mindedness and willingness. But yet when when it comes down the pipe that we're changing some of the language in, in, in the literature yeah. to, to say uh, persons or people instead of men mm -hmm. and women. Right. Well, it's like so much for that fucking that. Oh, and that how, you know, um, and that's yeah. to me, that's part of my spirituality to stay in the rooms for that person who's coming in whether whether you you're gay straight non-binary gender fluid or whatever i want you to have a home mm -hmm. and a space to recover from crippling alcoholism and addiction and if you got to say if you got to pray to god as you understand her do that shit if you got to pray to god as you understand them please do that shit because like a higher power should be all encompassing, all inclusive. And if you don't believe in a higher power at all, the honesty, open mindedness and willingness has been a sufficient higher power for me uh, to stay sober when I've absolutely hated the God concept. Uh, so that brings us to question number 10. Jess, what does your spiritual practice look like on a day to day basis? Um, I have to get in an area where I'm not on pavement. <laughs> nice um, grounding at some yes. point i have to um feel some dirt or grass or something which is pretty easy you just go to like a parklet yeah um or something a and parklet? Um, is that a tiny park yeah a, yeah pocket parks yeah parklets yeah our parklet <laughs> is i thought it was like the strip that's on the street yeah. of like that yeah. Too. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, this, um, this is a new word for me yeah um and I, well, first of all, I do like an app meditation in the morning. It's great. Nice. Just for like fucking five or 10 minutes, usually, to be yeah. honest. And, um, I go, meetings are a big part of, um, and like reaching out to people and like hearing what's going on with other people is like very spiritual to me. It makes me feel like connected. Like my spiritual practice is like all about being connected mm -hmm. and it's like connected to nature. Like I am nature <laughs> and like yeah. connected to other people. Like I do think that like, I'm not separate from other people. Um, which is like my alcoholism is just like you exist on a totally different plane of reality than everyone else. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, having that connection is good. And then like, yeah, like getting on some ground or some grass and like, um, just kind of like trying to connect to the elements. And I was like, I was like in Griffith park recently. And I was like doing a meditation and the sun was like on my face and I like had this really strong, strong feeling of like, um, like I deserve love because I am this, yeah. like, it was like this feeling of like, I am in no way separate from any of this landscape, any of these animals, 
the air, anything. It was just like this feeling of just like total love and like yeah. I'm included. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, in that, it sounds like you tapped into your higher power that way. It sounds like that's how you talk to your higher power. What's your relationship with your higher power like? Um, I would, I would say that's pretty much it. I would say that, um, like I don't get that kind of connection very often Yeah, on that level where I like literally feel like I have a direct message in that way, Sure, but it is, it's a lot more subtle of like, um, you know, kind of like being grateful for my life and, um, being in alignment with like what my higher power would have for me, which is just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't have like a, a very, um, it's, it's very mercurial. I like <laughs> it. Like, it's it's um, the mercurial episode of 12 questions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it's not, it's not like a solid concept, I guess. It's more like, the mystery, everything yeah. I don't know, everything mm-hmm. before me, everything after me. And I just exist within that. And like most days yeah. that just looks like I'm here right now. I can feel myself breathing. I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, like I think the openness and the willingness to even conceive that there is anything that you can tap into is a lot farther than most of us ever got with the drink or the drug, mm-hmm. you know, just to keep the door of willingness cracked open to me. That is a sufficient relationship. Right. Because I, I mean, I've sat in the rooms, you know, seven years, eight years sober, fucking hating God and telling people I fucking hate God. I fucking hate God. And that's okay. And I can sit here and say that because it's just like, it should be able to take it. It should be yeah. my, my opinion on, at any given moment on my spirituality is, is me attempting to be honest, you know, yeah. because I know for me, I'll share in a meeting, like, I'm like, I can tell you, I believe in all these things. So I make you think I'm okay and, and spiritually fit and fucking working a solid program, but I don't believe them. So it's either you want me to regurgitate the shit that I know to say to sound good, or you let me say I'm fucking mad at God right now, and that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think just like um, being completely honest is like the best way to stay sober and like to have other people hear that and be like, I got you. I get that is like everything. Yeah. We done did it, Jess. Yay. We got to thank you 12. so much. Yeah. Anna, you want to take that last one? Yeah. What's one thing you would tell somebody just like you in the world, Jess? Oh gosh. Um, I want to tell somebody just like me. Um, everything I'm saying, thinking is really cliche. Say it. Like, I don't you know how be uncool. Come on, be uncool. Jump in the water. I don't have any, yeah, I don't have anything particularly inspiring or anything. It's just like stay connected one day at a time and just yeah. like don't trip out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 
There we go. Jess, where can people find you in all the things that you do and comedies and, and social medias? I'm going to be honest. It's kind of hard right now to find me. <laughs> okay. Some people don't want to be found. Um, I've been really enjoying not posting on social media yes. lately. Oh God, do it. it feels really good to not share what I'm doing or seeing with anyone sometimes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So I don't know. I'm trying to kind of, I was actually trying to think this morning of like, what's a really good way I could connect with people who want to see my comedy. That's not social media, but I do have an Instagram and I do post my shows on there, which nice. are infrequent right now, but hopefully will be more frequent soon as things they're help. COVID frequent. You're COVID frequent. You getting up once a week, girl, you killing it. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I get up once a week. <laughs> Who cares? You get up at all. <laughs> yeah, I have been getting up at all and it has been fun. <laughs> and my Instagram is just Jessica Seely. I love it. And also, do you have a website? Maybe that's a good way for people to get in contact with you. Uh, yeah, jessicaseely.com. She has the .com, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dave, where can people find you in all your things? At Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Doing wow. a lot of sober sketches on TikTok that people Fine. seem to like. Um, yeah, I'm just, I mean, honestly, I stopped fighting it and tried to have fun with it. And it's completely separate from my stand-up. So it's like I get an opportunity to write like tiny sketches about recovery that people seem to enjoy. So I've been doing that. And then I'm uh, I'm officially out of Facebook jail. Bah, 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 bah. So you can find me, Dave Yates, on Facebook uh, until I say something else about fucking balls and they kick me off again. So. Oh, no. And then oh, you can buy hot sauce for me at HaHaHotSauce on Instagram or HaHaHotSauce.com. That is my spicy, delicious merch. Please buy some. Anna, it is okay. delicious. I was I was house sitting for somebody this weekend and they didn't have hot sauce in their house. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Because can sucks. <laughs> Kengar, if you're listening to this, get some hot sauce. Be yeah. Grow up. <laughs> it was very cute. Uh, he probably can't eat it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, if you would like to find me, uh, you can find me at, at AnnaValensVilla.com. You can also find me at Anna B is Fun. That's Anna with two N's on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I did a TikTok. I did a TikTok where I yelled at 13 step and gross dudes. And, uh, cool. and, uh, I, yeah, I, I have, uh, uh, yeah, all those social medias. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm bad at Facebook. I'm the opposite of Dave with Facebook. I, I don't, I have no love for Facebook, but, um, come on through. Uh, I am, I am around. You can see what kind of shows I'm doing and, and all that stuff. And if you want to find this podcast, you can find this podcast at 12 Q pod on all those social medias, including the Tiki talks. And, um, and you can find us, uh, we have an anchor page. So you can go to anchor.com slash 12 Q pod or 12 questions. Um, and, uh, we're doing all kinds of cool stuff. So, uh, keep your eyes and ears posted. We're going to be launching some things finally. Uh, and, uh, cause, cause because Dave has his act together in areas I do not. Um, and we're going to be uh, launching a Patreon, folks. Yay, uh, we're doing it. So we got, I'm cooking up uh, three actual episodes of this Zoom version of the For podcast. For real, we're doing it. You'll be able to see what we look like uh, uh, if you subscribe to the Patreon. We've got uh, different dollar increments of support and you will get buttons and stickers. Uh, so the Patreon should launch sometime this week. So if you're uh, hearing this, it's probably already launched. So uh, please come support us uh, and uh, all that good stuff. Yes, 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 yes. And um, if you're, uh, how we end this podcast every time. 
is Jessica. If nobody has told you this today, we love you. Love you, Jessica. Love you guys. Love you, listeners, too. Oh, and Dave, if you're listening, Dave, if nobody's told you this day, we love you. Boo. I know, every time. Every time. And if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. We love you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Yes. Thank you. That was great.